0: Welcome everyone to the Tim and Catherine Ballard podcast, or do we, is it the Tim Ballard podcast with Catherine? It's the
1: Tim it... and Catherine podcast.
0: I don't know because the 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 opening theme just says yeah, but we're we're working on okay. that. Okay, all right. Um, welcome to the podcast. This time we're going to kind of follow up on something we talked about previously. We've talked about Haiti a few times, and this time, and we alluded to we ref. We reference the fact that the search for Guardi is ongoing. And so I kind of wanted to get a little bit more into that and have you give us an example of, of the work that you've done or continue to do in Haiti. And, and um, is there an operation that sticks out that you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we, we're always criticized, like, why would you work in Haiti? It's corrupt, and it is, as the story we'll, we'll tell today illustrates but it, I, I'd never understand it. It's like, but if we can rescue people, why wouldn't we? You know, not not notwithstanding.
0: Well, and you have a you have studied the history of Haiti. You you have a love for Haiti of what it could be, the the right. spirit that that's there. Right.
1: Yeah. It was. It's the original European colony that really launched the United States. It's where Columbus we should do a whole podcast on Columbus maybe because some people are like, Columbus is evil. Well, there's, there's complexities to that story, but that's, that was the base from which everything else grew and into finding the North American continent, the country we live in. So yeah, I I think, I think Haiti's almost like this sacred place, even though it's beat up and a lot of evil goes on there, but it doesn't mean that those kids don't deserve
0: someone to come. And there's a hero, you named the the operation um, or the, the documentary after this hero, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. the documentary um, that actually tells the story we're going to tell today. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. It's called Operation Toussaint. Toussaint L'Oventure was kind of like the George Washington of, of independence, of, of Haiti. In fact, Haiti um, is the only country that we know of uh, recorded in history where the slaves... Rose up and wrested control from the European slavers. Took the country. They were the first to um, constitutionally abolish slavery. In fact, uh, when Frederick Douglass was fighting for freedom, he 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 referred to the sons and daughters of Haiti as the original pioneer abolitionists of the 19th century, because they did what. What many hoped the American slaves would do, just rise up, and they tried at times, uh, but uh, it took a civil war to finally end it. Um, and something like that happened in Haiti. It's, it's really a miraculous story we should tell sometime about what, what, what happened there and, and, and how Haiti does have this spirit of liberty, this legacy of liberty, if we can reactivate it. So the, you know that is one reason that and guardi, why we would never give up. If there was someone to rescue there, because we knew no one else was going to go there.
0: And Colleen and Colé, I I have a dream. This was a project that we started. And we've not been able to continue working on it, but it's my dream to keep it going. The DNA project, remember that you're working on in yeah. Haiti. That they have these mobile labs that are going around in Haiti. There's no documentation. You have a baby.
1: No birth certificate. Nothing.
0: There's nothing. There's no which
1: makes it very easy to, to yeah
0: traffic. It's just like you just say this was my baby or that's her baby or whatever. And and so we we began this project of getting DNA for everybody. So they, they have the library of like, this is my DNA and therefore I belong to this family. And it's my dream to get that back up and running because it is also my dream to be able to take Colleen and Colé back to Haiti and help them find their family. family aunts second cousins twice removed anybody you know that it's it's my dream to be able to do that someday and one it needs to be a lot safer than it is right now and two we need to get that dna yeah. project back up and running okay so back to what you were going to so, the operation so we've talked about
1: our kids who from the best information we have you know, survived the earthquake, but crying over the dead bodies of their families. And and some older women who did her best to help took them to what she thought was an orphanage. And of course it wasn't, it was that front where Gardy was. And we've told that story. Well, simultaneously, um, while that was happening, there was another little girl. We believe she was about six years old. We'll call her Rosie. And she was in the same condition as our kids. Um, and from the best information we have, she was approached not by a kind woman, but by an evil woman. And this woman goes by the name of Cho, which means like hot and sexy because that's her business. She's a trafficker and she belongs to a larger organization of traffickers. Remember, it's after earthquakes, wars, you know, it's, it's in those vulnerable times when traffickers come in and it's harvest time that's what those orphan those false orphanages were just traps and this little girl was picked up at around 6 or 7 years old by this trafficker who said i'll take care of you well she ended up trafficking this little girl until she was well into her into her teens and this little girl was kept behind a red door a red door that was in the middle of just Port-au-Prince if you walk by it you'd think it was some kind of janitor's closet or you wouldn't think anything of it just this red steel door that's looks like nothing well if you open that door and go inside it's where it's 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 a rape room it's where you pay money to go have sex with children and perhaps some adults and uh, the story we're going to tell is her story and it really is one of hope it's devastating but it's one of hope. So, um, do you remember Super Bowl Sunday? Yeah. That I was not there.
0: <laughs> There's been a lot of those lately, but no, I remember this one. There was a big push nationally about about the dangers of an event like the Super Bowl. This was that same year, correct? Mm-hmm. That. It's it's at these big, exciting gatherings where the whole nation is thinking we're watching a game that there's a whole separate activity going on. Probably multiple different illegal, horrible activities. But the one that we were focusing on, that the nation was focusing on, was trafficking. Right.
1: So, interestingly, coincidentally, we were down in Haiti. Again, looking for Guardy, looking for Guardy. We look at every lead, so we try to find traffickers, and uh, our teams who were forward deployed found these traffickers.
0: Can I can I ask? So, in a place like Haiti, where we've always, you've always worked with law enforcement. When you go into a country and you're getting ready to do an op, you do a couple things: you establish a relationship with law enforcement, and you establish a relationship with aftercare. And if if you can't get those two things, then no work is done. Correct. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, we're not a rogue or a vigilante group.
0: And we could get into a whole thing about aftercare. But, but you always do those two things. Um, establish a connection with law enforcement and a connection with aftercare. Right. So in a place like Haiti, and it's very complicated, with, with the, any place where you have so much poverty, you're going to have corruption because it just those go hand in hand they you cannot have an impoverished people with no options and not have corruption and crime it's it's just it's the beast that extreme poverty produces so how do you go about establishing a legitimate connection with law enforcement in Haiti
1: well it was during the uh, The Guardi orphanage case that we did exactly that. We went pretty high up the ladder to um, attorney general level type prosecutors, chiefs of police. So they were all with the success of that. We continued. We continued. And, um, you know, we just said, we're here for Guardi, but. We know looking for Guardi, we're going to find others, and that's exactly what happened. We found an organization led by this woman. It's it's interesting that it's always women, so often more than people realize. Uh, men are always involved as well, but these, this woman show and her kind of her her cohorts, her minions, were trafficking and children, including this little girl, Rosie, who she had since we believe about six or seven years old from from the earthquake, from the aftermath. And what happened was we we uh, convinced them that they needed to come and meet the bosses who wanted to exploit children. Uh, we had a really nice guy who who donated a yacht so we could play the role. We, we docked that yacht outside of a resort and Haiti, an old beat-up resort. You know, Haiti used to actually be a, they used to call it the Pearl of the Caribbean. It used to be a place where you would go, like Jamaica or...
0: Not that long ago.
1: Right, like my grandparents yeah. talk about going to Haiti and and it was. it's just, through corruption, has been just devastated. So we end up doing this operation. And again, you can watch the whole story on Operation Saint on Amazon Prime. And we ended up identifying these traffickers and they brought all these... I want to say over 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 twenty five uh, girls to to this party that they thought it was going to be just a sex party at this resort. It was about this time that Tony Robbins started wanting to get involved, and he wanted to see it. So he actually witnessed this entire thing, and he's 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 talked about it. In fact, I was just watching him on Date with Destiny, and he brought it up. He brought the rescue the rescue up that he that he had witnessed, and. The traffickers gathered on Super Bowl Sunday, 2018, at this resort. Tony and I and others were on the yacht, and we wanted to se. So they bring the kids. We put the kids in a safe place, and we made them come out to the yacht because you want to separate them, so they don't have contact with the kids once you know they're they're brought to the to the sting location. And I remember sitting on that yacht. I remember watching the documentary with you for the first time, and you. I remember you just like had to put your head down and cover your ears because you're watching me yeah. undercover for the first time talking to one of these traffickers about how they had just raped a 10-year-old, yeah. filmed it, and was and were distributing it to the United States. And so it was just like, wow, we've got to get these guys. Um, the operation went smoothly. It went as we planned. And um, all the traffickers were arrested, and the kids were, they were supposed to go to the aftercare home who we had worked with and designated and they were ready. Well, this particular group was more connected than we thought. And within days of the operation, uh, certain judges, corrupt judges came in and just destroyed the whole thing, released all the traffickers, and also didn't let the kids go to aftercare. It was horrible. You know, you make these plans and it's like, what just happened? And it's embarrassing because I, 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 take, I take responsibility, at least in part, for trusting. For trusting that, you know, we could pull this off, but a lot of the girls were released right back into the hands of the traffickers who corrupt judges let out through, through payoffs. So at this point, I'm just like, oh my gosh, what an, it's epic fail. I remember, do you remember I told you I got a phone call days after the operation? I was in Washington, D.C., the call came in at like two in the morning? Do you remember this? No.
0: And it was a thick Haitian voice saying we- Oh, yeah, I do remember that. You had to just give me a little more details, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And do you remember what they said to me? They, it was a threat. They said, we know it was you.
1: It was a death threat. Yeah. We know it was you, we're coming for you. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, what do I do?" Because what what I remember before the operation went down,
0: someone else got a call also, right? There were a couple people. Yeah, there
1: were a couple people, and Gessno was one of them, because Gessno always followed all these operations because we always hoped
0: we'd find Guardy, and and he's been he was always and has been and still is very instrumental with keeping the the connections and the the um getting us with the right law enforcement, the right people that are going to help us. He's very much involved. Right, but he gets betrayed too.
1: So I remember hanging up that phone in that D.C. hotel room thinking, oh my gosh, first of all, how to get my phone number? I pick up the phone, I call Guess No, I said, Guess No, I told you this was going to happen because before the operation went down, I called him, I said, I don't want to do this. Like, I, I, I don't know why, I just, I don't, we really have to trust this law enforcement. Can we trust them? And I remember him saying, Tim, it's the best we got. And if you give up on this, you're, you've given up on my son. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, oh boy, I made that promise. Mm-hmm. And so we went, we went through with it. And when I called him, he says, I know why you're calling. I got a phone call too. All the traffickers are gone. And the kids have been oh. released. We don't know where they are. And it's just like, wow. You know, and this is the risk. I mean, this is why people say don't work in Haiti, because things like this happen. But then at the same time, you get rescue operations that do happen. Like, our own kids. So, <laughs> so Guess no says, but don't worry, I have a contingency plan. Like, huh,
0: what's your contingency we plan? We gotta have Guess no on here sometime. He is the, with all that he's gone through, he, he he only smiles. He's the eternal optimist.
1: He is. I don't know how he does it. Yeah.
0: We'll have him on. We'll have him and on. I said,
1: what's, what's your plan? He says, the Rotary Club of Port-au-Prince. I said, wow, well, that's, That doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. What's the Rotary Club going to do? He's like, well, I showed them the footage. Because what happened was the judge had flipped the narrative and said that the Americans were the bad guys. The Americans got away. The Haitians, who were the traffickers, were the good guys. And that's how they justified it. He says, but guess what? We filmed this from seven different angles. We have everyone on tape. We have the guy laughing, and you see it in the documentary, about raping a 10-year-old. And and the the 10-year-old was... Was there? He said, and you're going to get her. She's yours for the weekend. So I said, well, great. But what do we do with that? He said, well, the Rotary Club is going to host you at a hotel, and you're going to come down, and you're going to show the evidence. He says, now, I can promise you safe passage to the venue, but once you reveal this, I'll be honest with you, we don't know how far this goes up, so you may not make it back out. And then he calls me a few days later and says, the Rotary Club's not going to host it because the media won't show up unless you bring a famous Haitian with you. Do you remember this? I do. And I said, guess no, I don't know. And at this point, you're
0: afraid to fly into Haiti because the judge has convinced everyone that, that you guys are the bad guys. Right. And so even just, just show- flying into Haiti and then your passport and like- My name like, could be on a big flag. Then I could You're worried you're going to be arrested at the airport. Like it was- there was a lot writing on this.
1: So I said, Guess no, can you give me a list of some famous Haitians and I'll try? Like in the top three of the names, it says, Well, there's this congresswoman who's of Haitian descent, US congresswoman, named Mia Love. And I just, just got this huge smile on my face. And I said, Guess no, she's my congresswoman. And she's the only one who I would consider a friend. In fact, I have her number. So I called her up and I said, I said, Mia, I'm gonna ask you to do something. As a friend, I would advise you to say no to this invitation. As a child rescue operator, I'm still gonna ask you to say yes. She's like, well, what do you want me to do? Explain the story, I said, I need you to come to a press conference that may end our lives. But it's gonna reveal the truth about the corruption in Haiti and hopefully get these traffickers back in jail. She didn't bat an eye, which to her credit, I, she's like, let's go, just tell me when.
0: I wish more people knew that story and understood how brave and how and how just 100%. She was in that in that moment, and and she's an amazing person. But just there's all these aspects of people that we just don't get to see, you know. And this is an aspect of Mia Love that the voters I don't think ever got to see. That was really
1: well. I was devastated because that this piece of the story got cut out of the documentary because just for time. And I'm like, but this is like the best part. Yeah, you know, I do write about this in my book, Slave Stealers, which, by the way, I have a new edition coming up soon so stand by for that it'll be coming out hopefully early next year um so she goes in and we just blast it and she gets up and she can speak perfectation creole and she's just blasting away at the corruption and look what actually happened and this is insane and i remember seeing a guy in the back with shifty eyes i'm like that's the assassin and like that's 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 the assassin he's going to get us <laughs> and so we 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 tell the story, and we can
0: laugh about it now because we're sitting here in these comfy chairs, and you didn't get assassinated, so we can laugh about it.
1: Not yet. So we walk out under the parking lot, and the shift Eye guy's following us. <laughs> and I finally just thought we have to just confront this guy. It's like, so we stop and say hi. He's like, hi. It's like. I was sent by the president, oh. Jovenel Mois, to listen to this. And he wants to see you tomorrow at the National Palace. Which I was both fearful and excited because is this a trap?
0: Yeah, is he at, which side is he on?
1: Which side is he on? Exactly. Does this, this how high does this go? So we um we end up going there. I remember I remember thinking this is fifty-fifty. I may not return. We get in. To his office, and and there's 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 actually a picture of this which we'll post, and we tell him the whole story, and he is outraged. I actually think he's a good I think he's a good guy. Um, because he's a good guy, on uh, July seventh of twenty twenty one, a few years after this, uh, his house was raided by Colombian mercenaries, and he was murdered.
0: Yeah, it was a sad day, and Haiti has not. Recovered. Haiti's not
1: recovered since then I think this was a man of the people this was a man
0: no one's perfect and and he got blamed because you, you, they run out of oil and everyone is revolting and there's it's, so it's many problems there's so many problems and so I know that there are a lot of reasons for people not to be happy with him but Haiti has not recovered
1: but we sat there in that meeting and Mia let out with her because he Jovenel Moyes doesn't speak English and she's just pounding away again I'm just like, wow. Just, I mean, Mia loves the hero of the story. And he just sits there listening. And he's just like, and she might have even said something like, do you think the U.S. government is going to keep helping you when, when we are down here? These guys are risking their lives their, at their own cost. And this is how they get treated? They become the bad guys? He, and he turns to the attorney general who's sitting in the room and he says, reissue the warrants. Let's go get these guys. And he did it. And, you know, the ace in the hole, the one we really wanted was Cho, Because she, she seemed to be the leader. She was the oldest one. She she kind of was leading the rest. And so we, we went down, I don't know how long, as soon as we could get things ready. I think it was, I believe it was December of 2018. And we were tracking her for a while and we we located her on the street. Now, we didn't know where her... Her den of nightmares was, where was the brothel? Where were these kids being abused? We, we didn't know. But we figured it must have been close to where she, because she kept popping up on this one street corner. She's like a rat. She'd come up and hide, come up there, and, and disappear. So we got the team together. We were ready to go and located her. We drove to the spot and took her down. They executed the warrant. They arrested her. Uh, but something happened that was very interesting on the way to the arrest. And, and we don't have arrest power. We're just kind of consultants. We're wearing, you know, vests and and just kind of coaching. You know, for example, when we got to Cho, there was other guys and the Haitians were missing and it's like, look, in, look over here. And they had a whole stash of like candy and condoms. Which was the candy is for the kids, clearly, and the condoms are for the clients. Like things like that, and like making sure they're preserving the evidence correctly, and so forth, like that. But on the way up to to, to grab her, um, one of our um, evidence technicians who's filming all this, he jumps to the back of the van where, where I am, and there's it's it's a van that has like a hatch opening in the back. So there's these three Haitian SWAT guys with their SWAT gear, and their helmets. And he just, he takes his little GoPro camera and he puts it on the helmet, facing out from the helmet of this cop who's just letting him do it and then takes duct tape and just starts wrapping it, making it look like some kind of minor cap. And I'm watching like, like you know, Justice, what are you, what are you doing? He's like, we're T minus like three minutes. He's like, I don't know, but I think that guy needs a camera on his head. I was like, okay. All right. So we end up getting there, executing the warrant. Most of us get out of the van and go and go right at the sliding door and go get them. And we're kind of trying to process evidence and they, they, they arrested several people on the scene who were either involved or clients. And, um, and then as things were kind of calming, I look across the street and I see the red door. And the red door opens up and out come these... Three young girls. They look to be between fifteen and seventeen ish, and they're all clearly dressed up, like you know, like sex workers. Turns out that I think amongst them there was four little babies who had been born through through you know through rape, and they were leveraging those babies. If you want to see them, you got to keep working, kind of thing. Uh, Those babies will later be recovered and returned to their moms in an aftercare. But as they came out, three of them, then this, this Haitian cop comes out. What had happened is when the van stopped, we all went one way where Cho was, but this guy went the other, he got out and peeled out the other way. I didn't see that happen, but learned later that's what he did. Because when he got out, he looked over and he saw... A young girl run into the red door and close it, and he thought that was suspicious, so he pursued opened the red door, walks in and witnesses this den of hell it's just a it's it looks like it looks like a dungeon and we can we can get footage hopefully and show it um of what of what this place looked like and people being 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 raped. And he came out kind of, the, th- the three girls got out. We, we got them into safety. And then he comes out, the cop. And he's like, I lost him. I lost him. It's like, who'd you lose? It's like the all the all the bad guys, all the, the, the Johns or the Predators. Or the, they also ran. And I, I couldn't keep, I, I focused on the girls. I couldn't focus on them and they're gone. And I'm and like, oh man, what are we doing? And then the closer I got and the kind of the dust was settling, was dark as he got closer to where like the headlights, where the where our cars were my heart skipped a beat and I looked and it was the cop who had the camera. So we grabbed the footage, took it back to to, to our kind of headquarters, uploaded it. And I saw something I'd never seen before. He literally captured on film the actual sexual abuse happening. I mean, I've done dozens of raids and never has that happened. That's pretty solid evidence about what she had been up to, and it was a total miracle. Um, the next day, we're now into 2019. I think this was, this was January, 2019. Um, one of the little girls, uh, you know, the, the youngest one was Rosie, who shared a similar story as our children. Uh, she was crying over the, Death of her family, and joe picked her up and promised to take care of her. She was silent for twenty-four hours; didn't talk, and she didn't talk until January tenth, when our aftercare director, Jessica Mass, went down, and the first words out of her mouth. And she's holding a teddy bear, and we have this footage on the documentary. And Jessica, her, Jessica said, her first words were, "Can I have hope? Is this real?" Am I really out of this? And, and Jessica assured her that yes, it's over. We are actually good guys and you are, you're done. So little Rosie you know, said, do you realize what today is? And I, actually, I think it was January 11th, 2019. She said, do you realize what today is? Yeah. I was like, no, what is it? She said, it's to the very day, the ninth anniversary of the day I was taken. Because the earthquake was on January 10th, 2010. Cho picked her up on January 11th, 2010. And now it's January 11th, 2019. And she put it together and she felt God in it. She felt it was a sign. Like she is rescued on the very anniversary the ninth anniversary of her abduction. We made sure she got the aftercare she needed. And once again, it shows how God cares about the one. And and what it what it taught me was, you know, who no wonder she didn't talk for a day or two, whatever, because who would ever find her? she knew that she was taken and kidnapped and being trafficked in one of the most obscure countries in the world and not only that one of the most obscure corners dens of hell one of the most obscure places in that obscure country behind a little red door no one's going to open that door
0: and she has no she has no family she lost them in the earthquake and and I'm like, I can't imagine I can't process that loneliness. You know, that loneliness. I can't process that.
1: Yeah, it was it's it's almost an impossibility that she could ever be rescued. And yet the red door opened and she was liberated. And I remember making a commitment, we will go anywhere, because there are red doors everywhere. And so as sad as the story is, it is a story of hope. Because again, it's not just a white paper or flying a flag of 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 despair. It is a solution, and I can tell you right now that one organization that I sit on the board, Aerial Recovery, they are doing it right now. They've identified a couple of red doors right now in Latin America, and they are pursuing the the rescue. So there is hope, but we need you to contribute to that hope, even if it's just prayers to help us find these lost children.
0: But I would add, we, our prayers need to be, what do you want me to do? Not just, we, we pray for others and that is beautiful and powerful. And I felt the, I felt the power of others' prayers for me. But we need to pray for what does God want me to do? What does he want me to do today? And there's just no end to need there's no there's no end to it. Even getting outside the, the world of trafficking, which is in and of itself big enough to require everybody's attention. But there is no need. There's no end to need around us. It's just constant. And I know, I think you're not supposed to like reference the time of the year that this, that you're doing a podcast, so it can be timeless or whatever, but this is the christmas season that we're in right now and it's such a beautiful time to reflect on what can i be doing to bless mankind i just started reading the christmas carol to the kids last night we we like to read that can't say i read it every year but they want me to read it every year and we read it a lot but um but it's such a beautiful story of of recognizing man's responsibility to help. It is our responsibility to help those around us. And sometimes, and I know, I I know that this is true, the, the topic of child trafficking can, it is very heavy. And maybe that's not the area that you feel like you can just dive in and put your efforts in because it just pulls you down and and I get that, and I I can sympathize with that. But that doesn't mean that there's not another area where we can do good. And and I just I I just encourage us, you know, Colleen, when we were at, when I was asking the kids, what kind of activities do you want to do for Christmas this year? We have it's very exhaustive the amount of of celebration that goes into Christmas. There has to be something every day. And um, and it's fun. And the, the traditions are great. So I was asking the kids, you know, what are some of the traditions that you want me to make sure I get on the calendar that we don't miss? And Colleen said, I want to do something for the homeless. Why don't we ever do anything for the homeless? And I was like, oh, I don't know why we don't ever do anything for the homeless. And I, I feel really bad now. And we're going to do something for the homeless. That's a great idea, Colleen. And, and it, but it's those things. It's those things that make a difference. And let's, let's, let's commit right now, Tim, that you and I, per Colleen's request, are going to do something for the homeless this Christmas season. And, and I just would like to say to everyone else, do something to benefit mankind. That is what we need in this world we need to bring the light of Christ and that is done through service that's what Christ did Christ served before he did anything else he served and that's that's what we need to do we need to bring the light of Christ help others dive into child trafficking if you if you have the if you if you can and these are very valiant efforts that need support but don't let that stop you if it's too heavy find Something you can do today. What can I do? Catherine, what can I do today to help someone?
1: Excellent. I don't think I can add to those words. So I'm with always that, the
0: last word, I feel Well, because <laughs> you
1: have the best words. So we're I gonna, won't
0: take the last word next time, guys. We're gonna end
1: with that invitation. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast, and we look forward to seeing you on the next one.